So one of the wonderful things about my role today is that I get to thank and fet so many people, Janet uh, being the first, but I have several uh, additional people that I, I get to celebrate uh, this morning. Uh, we have three members of our faculty retiring this year, and uh, I will go in alphabetical order out of fairness. So, uh, And they are all just wonderful, wonderful people, wonderful members of our faculty, and they will all be missed. So the first is Rich Balnave. Rich Balnave has been a member of our faculty for over 30 years, and most recently he has served as the inaugural director of our clinical programs. This was a big job. Over the last 20 years, our clinics have grown, thanks to Kent Sinclair and Rich, uh, from just two clinics, one for family law and criminal defense, to, one, uh, to 18 four-credit clinics and two pro bono clinical offerings that our students can participate in today. Uh, and Rich's job for the last several years has been overseeing all of those 18 clinics. Rich earned his JD from Case Western Reserve University Law School in 1977. He holds an MA from SUNY Albany and a BA from the College of William and Mary. He is an expert in domestic relations, children's law and mediation, and he has contributed significantly to the betterment of families and children in our Commonwealth. He has assisted the Virginia General Assembly with child support guidelines, mediation of child custody disputes, and court annexed arbitration issues. He has addressed Virginia judges on domestic relations issues and served on so many different councils and committees, including the Board of Governors of the Family Law Section of the Virginia State Bar, the Council of Domestic Relations Law of the Virginia Bar Association, and the Bar Association's Commission on the Needs of Children. He was also a longtime member of the Supreme Court of Virginia's Court Improvement Project Advisory Committee concerning foster care and adoption. He's a former director of the Virginia Dispute Resolution Center, a past president of the board of the Charlottesville Abmoral Legal Aid Society, and a former board member of the Charlottesville Abmoral Bar Association. And all of that is when he is not teaching, right? All of that is on top of a full-time job teaching here at the law school. I was speaking yesterday to uh, the board and council about the various ways in which our faculty support the profession and the public, and uh, Rich is really a wonderful example of all of the different ways uh, that being a law professor here at UVA, both teaching students, doing scholarship, but also serving the profession and the public in that way is possible. Anyone who has heard Rich speak about how the clinics and clinical education fosters judgment, integrity, empathy, and leadership knows that Rich's true accomplishment is that he has played a crucial role in training UVA lawyers who make us all proud. And I will say I am chagrined that I did not manage to get Rich on videotape before he retired saying those beautiful things, but I hope to do it after if he'll come back. Uh, Rich's background in education, he taught low-income middle school students before deciding to go to law school has no doubt influenced his career, his thinking about teaching, and his ability to put into practice those views on teaching. Rich has been not only a teacher of law students, but he's also been a mentor to and a guidepost for other faculty. Here is what one colleague has to say. Rich is one of the most caring, fair-minded, and ethical people I know. He has been an excellent mentor to me, and I have learned much from him about teaching. He is responsible, highly detail-oriented, and never misses an opportunity to help where help is needed. 
Sometimes that help took somewhat unusual forms. So here's a story that another colleague recalls. She had to find a client file on a Saturday, and it was rather urgent. So she called Rich, who met her at the law school, and she came, it was a Saturday, with her small children, small children in tow. Rich did not ask any questions about any of this. They showed up at the law school, and one of her children was a toddler, and he decided that he needed to be held by Rich. So Rich obliged and held this one-year-old child who laid his head down on Rich's shoulder, stinky diaper and all, while Rich and the attorney searched for and ultimately located the file. Rich held the child until they found the file, walked back to the car, and Rich had to put the child in his car seat. <laughs> Said one of his former students who turned clinical instructor, quote, the sharpness of his intellect is matched only by the bigness of his heart. You'd be hard pressed to find a more thoughtful professor, mentor, or colleague. With more free time on his hands soon, we expect that Rich will be able to catch up on long overdue reading and that he and Linda will be able to see more of their daughter and grandson. Rich, we have a gift for you. Uh, we have a gift for you that we hope will help you with this endeavor when you are unable to travel. I understand that you have family moving overseas, and we hope that this will also help you stay in touch. Thank you for all you have done for the law school. Your mark is indelible. Please join me in thanking Rich. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not a spotlight person, so it's kind of uncomfortable to be doing this, but I took the occasion to realize uh, how much gratitude I feel toward many people in this community. It's not a community of one person at a time. This is a real community. Um, first, there are the students. I've had the best job in the world. I help students learn how to become lawyers. I help them learn how to think. Uh, about their clients, about their clients' goals, to think about the law, and to think about how to do this all to the highest standards that we can uh, hold them to at that part of their career. Uh, they're energetic, they're hopeful, they're smart, they're talented. Uh, in August, when they return to the building, I can feel the energy in the building. I, I don't think that's very scientific, but I can feel it walking down the hallway when, when hundreds of them return in their 20s and they talk at a pace far faster than me. Uh, it's just contagious. Faculty, uh, being in a place where the faculty desire to be confounded. They desire to re-examine beliefs they've held about the law. They take pleasure in thinking for years about the hardest legal questions. They think about why it ought to be the way it is. They think about how it could be better designed. There's not a better place for a person like me who represents clients but also is a lifelong learner. There's not a better place for me to be than in the company of scholars who spend their lives thinking about the questions that really will, will help us all grow. There's one other group, though, and this is a very appropriate occasion to uh, speak to this, and that is I'm grateful for the contributions alumni have made to our clinical program. Alumni have made many different kinds of contributions to the health of the law school. But you might not know how many alumni we have. I, I initially intended to name the alumni who have participated as teachers or direct supervisors of students in our clinical program, but I stopped counting at 25 and I had only gone back about six years. There are the honorables, 
uh, Rick Moore, who sits on the City Circuit Court, Ted Hogshire, who retired from the same bench a few years ago, and many leading practitioners who share their expertise for the princely sums of money that the law school pays, as any of you who have taught seminars or, or taught in our uh, adjunct faculty positions know, they give their time, they give their expertise, they give their love of teaching students how to become better lawyers. They're patient, they ask students the hard questions. They don't just direct them about what to do with clients, they ask them to think about it, come back with options, explain what their second choice is, explain what their first choice is, why is one second? Why is one first? They help students learn how to start thinking like lawyers who have clients who have specific goals. The community of students, of faculty, of alumni have enriched my job, uh, and it started out as the best job in the world. Thank you all. Our second retiring faculty member is uh, Bob Saylor. Bob Saylor has been part of our faculty since 2003, and before that, he served as the John Ewald Distinguished Visiting Professor of Law. A recognized authority on rhetoric and oral advocacy, Bob earned those stripes, and there are many, through a distinguished career in complex commercial litigation before joining our faculty. A native Kansan, Bob headed west for college and earned his AB in 1962 from Stanford University. At Stanford, he was student body president, chair of the Stanford Speech Association, and debate captain. I don't often talk about what people do in their undergraduate uh, careers upon retirement, but you'll see the reason for that in a moment. Uh, he crossed the country again for law school, earning his JD in 1965 from Harvard Law School, and joined Covington and Burling immediately after graduation. There, he carved out a niche for himself in the world of insurance litigation, and there he flourished. Once called the, quote, godfather of insurance coverage, unquote, we all want to be called that, Bob has received numerous accolades for his work as a master litigator, to name just two, and there are more. The National Law Journal twice named him as one of the nation's 100 most influential lawyers, full stop. One might assume that given his insurance expertise, when Bob came here to teach, he would focus on insurance law. Not so. Apparently, while he did agree to teach a course on insurance law, he only did so on condition that he also teach a course on rhetoric. You know why he chose that if you have ever heard him wax rhapsodic about the philosophies of Aristotle and Plato, and hence the importance of those early experiences at Stanford. The course that he taught, a rarity in legal education at the time, is now the very popular and extremely useful hallmarks of distinguished advocacy. With that course and his many others, uh, the others that followed, Bob has helped craft for our students a suite of premier experiential learning opportunities in public speaking and oral advocacy. Rhetoric, oral presentations in and out of the courtroom, advanced per verbal persuasion, and negotiations. For Bob, teaching has been a labor of love and a passion project. He is a firm believer that, quote, virtually anyone can become an effective, even superb speaker, unquote, and his courses and his teaching embodied that conviction. He has helped hundreds of UVA law students learn how to think on their feet, select and construct sound arguments, communicate well, and connect with an audience. 
he finds this work so rewarding. When the students give their final arguments to the class, he says, this is a quote, you'll know it's a quote in a second, they are so darned improved, I literally, literally have had tears in my eyes a couple of times. The returns on investment in one of Bob's courses far exceeds the forecasts. Here is what one student had to say. Quote, it is no exaggeration to say that this course has changed my life. Just in the short period of time I have been in it, I have found myself feeling more confident in other aspects of my life and much less anxious RE cold calls in other classes. I am totally converted to the philosophy that public speaking and advocacy should be a central emphasis in education and career development. Bob's accomplishments as a mentor are no less than his accomplishments as a teacher. Molly Shadle, who sadly could not be here today, who was among Bob's closest colleagues, had the following to say. Bob is the type of mentor and colleague I aspire to be. Because of his absolute faith in my abilities, the ethos-driven good, goodwill that he has will consistently—sorry, the ethos-driven goodwill that he has consistently exhibited during our collaborations—I have been able to achieve things I had never imagined I would accomplish. Among those achievements was the publication of their book, *Tongue-Tied America: Reviving the Art of Verbal Persuasion*, which is now already in its third edition. Bob. On behalf of the law school, thank you for your many contributions here. We have a token of appreciation for you and Marty, which we hope you will both enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. When I came many years ago and talked to Ken Abraham and Bob Scott about coming here, I did say I would rather do that than anything I can think of. But I said, I've got to tell you that I bear a couple of warts, which, which may uh, result in my being deemed a double-barreled fraud. I said, first of all, I'm not a double who. I'm not proud of that. I'm not a, I'm not a who. I'm hooless. <laughs> and I'm worried about that a little bit. And then I said, second. My credentials to be a professor of law, an academic, are not just sketchy. They are non-existent. <laughs> and so on, in that area, I am clueless. So you got hooless, you got clueless. <laughs> and I must say that it worked out all right. I, I, I've got to admit that from time to time, over 14 years, I heard reference to one or both of those points in connection with me. <laughs> Surely, though, they were just joking. Weren't, weren't they, do you, th do you think? One point of substance. This law school deserves a golden award, a, a Nobel Prize award, for having what I regard, and I really have studied this my, my whole life, what I regard as the best panoply of cases, riches, all over this law school. Your devotion to helping students, and I see some of mine here who I hope would echo this, to helping students get more comfortable, confident, on their feet, to be able to project all of the intelligence and wisdom you all have imparted, but to feel good about presenting themselves orally. Nobody has courses anywhere, 
particularly the place I went, and no, I didn't like Harvard Law School very much, to tell you the <laughs> truth. The, there is not your equal in the number of courses we have and the intensity of the education for those who are interested in partaking in it, all the way up to speeches in every class, starting on day one, videotaped every speech, critiqued by professors every speech. Nobody else has it. And a problem is that infects American education generally for so much of American education. The idea of getting people more comfortable on their feet and being able to project calm and confidence, persuasion, it has been relegated to a black hole. It is possible to get through a fine college and graduate school without ever getting comfortable on your feet. So that all those talents you have bursting in you, that all of our students have, somehow just don't come out as well as they could if some time was spent helping people get more comfortable on their feet. You all are the best in the country on that you have no equal. And I'm, I, I just had a, a piece of a role in that. This place has always been good at that. It now is astoundingly great in that area. We, Marty and I, my wife, will leave without a UVA degree. <laughs> but we did something about that last Saturday morning. We were up in the mountains of Virginia, and by a two-to-nothing vote, we assign to ourselves an honor that one day will reside, I hope, up there on your table. We do not have a UVA degree, but by golly, we have something important. We are new who's. <laughs> it's been a wonderful 14 years. Thank you for all who let us partake in this great cathedral you have. Thanks. They're all so tall, every time I come, I gotta pull the microphone back down. <laughs> I am going to embrace the new who. Uh, it's been 15 years for me, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm a new who too. Uh, last but not least, Tom White. Tom White has been a member of our faculty since 1967. I did some math, not just that that's 50 years of service, but Tom has served under five university presidents and nine law deans, and I am honored to be the last one under which he will serve. He has seen roughly 18,000 law students earn their degrees, and no doubt most of those took at least an introductory course in federal income tax, and many, no doubt, with Tom. A graduate of Williams College where he majored in physics, Tom earned his law degree magna cum laude from the University of Pennsylvania School of Law where he served on the board of editors of the Pennsylvania Law Review and was elected to the order of the coif. He came to teaching after working in private practice and serving as an attorney advisor in the office of the Tax Legislative Council for the U.S. Treasury Department. When he joined the tax faculty here, despite having a few years of practice under his belt, he was known as, quote, 
the young guy. Edwin Cohen and Charles Davison were the senior tax law professors. Since then, Tom has been actively involved and crucial in expanding and administering our tax law curriculum. By his own admission, he has, quote, taught just about every kind of tax course you could imagine, except international tax. He is the co-author of a casebook on commercial real estate transaction. His love of tax law and his conviction that, quote, tax law is the most interesting and relevant course in law school, unquote, is evident in his teaching, research, and scholarship, not only in tax, but in the other related fields in which he has taught, including real estate law and aging law. He is the only member of our faculty to have taught those courses, and also retirement and domestic relations. I'm embarrassed to say, Tom, that tax was my worst grade in law school. I hope you will still respect me. I did find it interesting. It just wasn't good at it. Uh, Tom's career also includes significant contributions to the field of tax law more generally and the profession. He has played a critical role in linking tax scholars with tax alumni and the practicing bar at the law school through the annual Virginia Tax Study Group. He has served on the board of trustees of the Virginia Tax Conference and has been a member and chair of the ABA section on taxation, the Committee on Domestic Relations Tax Problems. He's also been a member of the American College of Tax Council and the National Tax Association and served as a legislative attorney for the Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation and a consultant to the Joint Legislative Audit and Review Commission for the Commonwealth of Virginia. Again, a combination of the scholar, the public servant, and the leader of the profession. As Tom retires, he calls himself superannuated. I prefer senior statesman to replace the young guy. Thanks in part to Tom and his fostering of our collective interests in tax, our tax faculty is in excellent shape and ready for the future. With seven full-time members, we are one of the strongest tax faculties in the country, and much of the credit for that goes to Tom. A colleague who shall remain nameless reports that Tom might have delayed retiring in part because he could not bring himself to clean out his current office. <laughs> I know, Tom, that you have now done that, and I heartily congratulate you on it. Tom has two children who live close by, and as he plans to remain in Virginia and perhaps keep up a hand in the tax study group, we should all keep an eye out for that Tom Tax license plate on his Subaru around town. We will also hope for postcards when he and Gail board the occasional Viking cruise for more exotic locales. We have a token of our appreciation for you, Tom, which we hope you will enjoy. Well, thank you, Risa. That's uh, very, very kind. Uh, I can't really match uh, what uh, Rich and uh, Bob have already said, uh, and uh, I feel honored to be on the same group of retirees uh, uh, at this time. Um, so I've been uh, teaching uh, tax law uh, for, uh, well, it's, I've been thinking about tax law for more than 50 years. Uh, and um, uh, actually, my connection with uh, Charlottesville and the University of Virginia uh, began before I was even considered uh, being a member of the faculty here. Uh, and that's when uh, Mort Kaplan, having for formed his uh, law firm in Washington, D.C., I was told because he had uh, uh, earned a client with a large bankruptcy 
And that uh, led to the formation of Kaplan and Drysdale in Washington, D.C. He recruited people from tax legislative council. And so there I was in my office, and I was looking down F Street, uh, where I was uh, sitting in the Treasury Department, and Bob Clayman, a former member of the Tax Legislative Council, came to see me uh, on behalf of the Boar's Head Inn. Turns out they had a little tax problem, and that was something that we could easily take care of, and I'm glad to say that we actually did that. Now, I remember uh, Charlottesville, I was actually here in the 1950s, and I remember when uh, Barracks Road Shopping Center was just a pasture. Uh, and I remember um, when the, uh, after having been a member of this faculty, uh, the uh, Duke tract uh, was left to the University of Virginia and it became uh, the place where the law school uh, now resides. I was walking around here. I remember when it was just trees um, and open areas. Uh, so uh, I go back to uh, a time before, well, maybe the beginning of time. <laughs> now, I say um, superannuated. Uh, I, I was thinking about that. Uh, I have an office on the corridor over in Slaughter Hall. You might know that, uh, not uh, Withers Brown Hall and the ground floor. Uh, you might know they're going to tear that all apart this summer and rebuild it. Um, but I was counting the number of uh, faculty members on that corridor who were 70 years old or older. And there are six besides me. So uh, uh, the so-called golden years are actually golden uh, for participating in this enterprise here. Now, yes, I like um, uh, teaching tax one. It's my favorite course. Uh, it is, uh, in my view, where the rubber meets the road. If you really want to know about how your uh, country is governed, you should take tax one. And I would be uh, hopeful that more law students will actually do that. When I joined the faculty, and some of you may remember this, income tax was a required course. You actually had to sit and listen to someone talk about income tax. Uh, that, of course, was 1967, which was the last year that it was a required course. One of my sections was in room three. Now, I don't know how many people remember room three. And uh, I don't know if uh, Jason is here, but uh, my aversion to teaching in awkward classrooms stems from my experience with room three. Uh, it was something that you... Uh, gained access to through Mural Hall. Uh, and uh, it was an old-fashioned classroom of the kind that I learned law in. You know, each desk was uh, affixed to a metal post, which was bolted into the floor. There was a slab of wood uh, bolted to the top of it that was roughly 36 by 12. And then there were two chairs also bolted to the floor behind it. Uh, and that's the kind of uh, place uh, where we were learning uh, the law uh, when I went to law school. And maybe that puts me back in a different century, I don't know. Uh, but I've seen how this has developed. I also learned about uh, distributing exams. Uh, so there I was, uh, uh, handing out my exam to roughly 150 or 120 law students, I can't remember how many, 
And after admonishing them to read the instructions, please read the instructions, uh, I said, okay, you can come get your exam. And at that time, I had visions in my mind of the headline, Law Professor Trampled to Death on Henry Allen's Exam. So I learned, I've learned since then about how one distributes exams. Of course, it's, it's uh, changed a lot since then. Now, let me just say uh, this. Um, yes, we have a very strong uh, tax faculty. Uh, and uh, I no longer teach tax courses. Uh, as, I, as I was getting a little bit uh, along, uh, I one day sat there and thought, you know, how does somebody, a nice guy like me, get to be so old? <laughs> and then I thought, well, I better learn about this. And so I've been teaching uh, aging, about aging, and about retirement security, both very significant problems, I think, for our society. The difficulty for law students is that uh, they're never going to grow old. Uh, and you all know that. Uh, so um, uh, it's difficult to get them interested in these uh, topics. I also teach uh, real estate uh, uh, finance. Uh, and these courses uh, are, uh, to my way of thinking, uh, important courses uh, to include in the law school curriculum. And I have to say this about the alumni. Uh, the level of expertise and the willingness to share it from uh, all of you and for those of you who've participated in these courses, and I've mined this, uh, uh, this uh, resource um, uh, without embarrassment and have been uh, very richly rewarded uh, by having members of the alumni come and participate in my classes and share their expertise willingly uh, uh, without compensation uh, with uh, the, my students. I mean, I think that is something uh, that they need to hear. Uh, and I uh, have uh, tried to do that in, uh, in these courses that I've been teaching. And I very much appreciate uh, the alumni and their willingness to share this expertise. I know you've heard uh, similarly from Rich and you've heard this from Bob, and, uh, and I think that this is a uh, representative of the kind of, of courses that we want to offer our law students uh, so that when they go out, they have experienced uh, things that uh, you wouldn't see this in other law schools. Um, so I appreciate that very much. Uh, and I have to say, having been here all these years, um, uh, yes, I have uh, suffered in clearing out this office. Um, uh, I say that uh, my allergies are returning, that my, uh, uh, I'm allergic to um, retirement. <laughs> I'm allergic to cleaning out my office. I think I needed an archaeologist to go through some of that stuff. Um, and I've been in that office since that building was built. Uh, which is not something that uh, many people can say. Uh, so uh, I, I want, just want to say that I feel now part of you. I agree with Bob that uh, I'm a, what was that, Bob, a new who? Uh, and uh, I hope uh, that uh, uh, I will see all of you again often. Um, I have no intention of going anywhere. My family lives here. Uh, and uh, I intend to stay in Charlottesville and intend to be active in law school affairs uh, for as, as long as uh, I'm able. 
I was having breakfast uh, this morning with um, uh, two individuals who are 10 years older than I am now, and looking at them, I said, well, I have um, uh, hopes for the future, and you are giving me uh, that kind of hope. And so uh, I hope that I will see all of you and uh, participate in uh, alumni affairs in this law school and in the future. Thank you. Thank you.